Welcome to Terrible, a Canadian true crime podcast. I'm Marie. And I'm Renee. We're two friends that discuss true crime stories in hopes to prepare ourselves for life's most terrible things. Quick disclaimer, the following podcast will include graphic and explicit content. Our goal is to respect victims and their families. We do not want to sensationalize crimes or glorify criminals. We are not experts. We want to tell these stories in order to learn from them and make sure victims and their families are not forgotten. Just before we get started, we want to mention that we do have a merch store. There's lots of great stuff on there. So if you guys want to check it out and support the show, you can find us on Etsy at Terrible True Crime. And the last thing is that it really helps when you rate the show and leave us a review or a comment wherever you listen. Just before we get started, we want to mention that we do have a merch store. There's lots of great stuff on there, so if you guys want to check it out and support the show, you can find us on Etsy and look us up at Terrible True Crime. The last thing is that it really, really helps us when you rate the show and leave a review or comment wherever you listen. All right, let's get in some updates. So I have to say I've had a pretty quiet week or so. Lazy weekend, watched a lot of TV for a change. Um, I have two things that I want to mention. One, I'm a huge fan of the Jurassic Park movies. I really? love them. Yes, <laughs> watched them on VHS with my parents when I was little. And the new ones have been not so bad. You know, when they do a reboot and you're like, yeah. you know, but most of the time you're disappointed. The new ones have not been bad. Okay. But the newest one, the latest, so the third reboot of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, I think it's called Dominion or something. Guys, it was so fun. Oh, <laughs> I, no. I enjoyed watching it because I just, I love yeah, reminiscing dinosaurs and, like, and no, those yeah. things. Yeah. But there's like, the storyline was all crazy. It was a mess and I don't recommend. So that How long was it? Was it super long too? Probably a bit longer than a regular movie. Um, True crime related, I did watch on Netflix. I'm like a little bit late on the trend. Yeah, we talked about roommate. it. Did we talk we, about it yeah, already? Yeah, I watched it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Isn't it crazy? Anyway. Did you watch all of it? Yes. Oh my god. I was disappointed because there's not enough episodes. Um, yeah. Okay. I was gonna say. Episodes. Damn. I loved it. Like it was crazy stuff. Yes. The worst roommates. Very good. I really enjoyed it, and I like how the people are like telling their stories and mm-hmm. oh, so scary and so scary. How you're like in a desperate situation to find a roommate to contribute to rent and some are in different countries like yes and someone seems so normal at first and then oh my god no new friends you know i would really i would really (laughs) recommend that one that was good i'm having a hard time finding other true crime like documentaries or things on netflix to watch lately i feel like i've watched all the ones that like i'm actually interested in but that one i think was like one of my favorites for sure Mm -hmm. i love the series like when it's not just a big chunk when i can watch episodes but yeah that's it for my updates. Not much for me. I watched all of uh, The Real Housewives of Dubai in two days. Dubai? Dubai, yeah. It's super it good? cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's Because it's like kind of different, you know, because like mm-hmm. their lifestyle, it's like very over the top, but it's like, it's really cool to see. And I actually got into it like, because usually with episodes or seasons of stuff, I have to watch at least like three or four episodes to like know who's who and like enjoy, yeah. you know, the character or not the characters, but like the people in it and like understand but after the first episode, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm hooked. hooked. Let's go. Nice. <laughs> so I'm all done that. So now I think I'm officially done the Real Housewives. I want Canadian ones, but I don't think they'd be as... Uh... I don't know. 
I feel like some like Vancouver Toronto families could well, be pretty good. Apparently there is a Vancouver one. I just don't know where to find it. But Toronto, yeah, Toronto could be good for sure. The women and the yeah, <laughs> I see it. I see it for sure. I envision it. I'll move to Toronto again just to freaking be on just... there. <laughs> you would not, you would not thrive. It would cause you so much anxiety, don't you think, to be on a show um, where the girls are all like, or is I like you're is that the new dream? I think I think if it's not my close yeah. group of friends, you know, if it was like I was just thrown in like a group of girls or whatever and I knew it was on TV, I think then you'd be like, I think I'd live my best life just because like I love reality TV that much. Like sign. You know me what up. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like let's go. <laughs> but not like real friendships and stuff in real life. Because yeah. that would be too much. Cause then That'd you take tough. it off the show and you're on a phone. You're like, oh, that was weird. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> and do some creepier things. Current crime. Um, Renee sent me this article and I read it maybe 30 minutes before we started recording. And whew, wow, okay. Did not know it was gonna be like that. So I just read the headline and I was like, I don't even want to read about this. I want someone to tell me yeah. about it. So I just sent it yeah. to Becky. I said, This is your crime up <laughs> thank goodness because i wasn't gonna show up with one um, but i'm gonna shorten it a lot just because there's literally yeah. like so much to it so i'll put the links that i read the articles of in the description if anyone wants to know more but i believe this happened in july so it's current ish but i guess i don't know they're still looking into it who knows anyways in saskatoon there's a uh, a bible camp called Redberry Bible Camp for Kids. At one point this summer, there was a child who was in medical distress laying on the floor, bleeding from the nose, making sounds and twitching. I don't know what was wrong with him, but basically there were kids around him who went to go get help. So they brought back one of the staff members to look at the kid. And once a staff member came in, he performed an exorcism on that child while all the other children watched. So it was all boys, I believe, around eight kids. Naturally, as one would do when someone <laughs> yeah. is having seizure-like symptoms. Yeah, exactly, like right? Like, straight-up exorcism is what they say. So the man told the children he got rid of the demon that had possessed the child. Oh God. He then handed his business card to each of the children. On the back of the card, it said, heal the sick raise the dead, cure those with diseases, and cast out demons. Okay, wait, was this someone who was working at the camp? <laughs> yes, this is like okay. one of the camp staff, camp counselors, whatever you want to call who them. Okay, this is the least, the this is not the issue here. Who hands children a business card? Yeah, so he gives all of the kids there that watched him perform this exorcism, his business card, and then he told them that they had to stay in contact with him for the rest of their lives, because only he knew how to ward off the demon they'd all encountered, according oh, to God, what this was reported. Is, this is yeah. so much trauma. Imagine how terrifying so for trauma. those kids. Like, I think they were around, like, 10-ish, I want to like say. Like, peak age where this would really just get oh, you. Oh, yeah, because you understand, but... You've heard, you've you seen the scary yeah. movie previews. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. Oh, God. This is yeah, horrible. Exactly. So a lot of them called their parents, was like, I'm scared, I'm terrified, like I need to get out of here, whatever. So after that, um, the parents of the kids after the incident said that the Redberry executive director and his board chair member told the parents that both that night and in follow-up conversations, the exorcism was necessary to save the boys. They said that the man who performed the exorcism, so the staff member, had special powers to cast out demons. So these people, the executives at this Bible camp are telling the parents that. And oh, yeah, gosh. and they said 
um, quote unquote, we've had satanic activity in the past. They fully backed all of this. Why is there so much satanic activity happening in this Bible camp in the woods of Saskatoon? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, no. Oh, God, yeah. This is, <laughs> and this so is a lot. That staff member made a YouTube video explaining what he does and like what happened. And I guess his contact information was on the back of the business card. So that's how they found it. And he says a bunch of things in this video. I couldn't find it, but there's a couple of quotes in the articles that I'll be linking. But one of um, the quotes pulled that from that video is him saying to basically the parents, you should know better if you're sending someone to a camp that has the word Bible in it. Okay, this is what I was going to say. <laughs> when I hear a Bible camp, like outside of this context, my mind goes negative. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but for it's kids, because I feel like I'm mine anti- positive. Okay, I okay. Maybe it's just me. I'm not anti-religion. I'm not any of that. But I'm just thinking, like, oh God, what's happening at that camp? Okay, it's my first yeah. like thought process. And this is really not helping that for me because they're like, well, yeah, crazy shit happens here <laughs> at Bible camp. And wouldn't Bible camp be the least satanic? Place well, that's what I'm thinking, or- right? I obviously we're arguing stupidity because yeah. there was no well, yeah. And I didn't say it, I didn't write it here, um, but I, one of his other quotes was like, you're, it's basically like sending your gay child to a gay camp. Oh. Like, you're going to teach him gay things. And it's like, are you... F- <laughs> <laughs> this is why I said I had a negative. God. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. This is why I didn't want to read this article myself because I'm fuming right now. Oh, yeah. And there's like so much more information. In it. The Close last thing I'll say, no way. The last thing I'm going to say on it is that he warned the children to be on constant lookout for demons. Oh, come he, on. Yeah. If I had heard that as a child, if I heard that right now, I'd be terrified. <laughs> Someone come in my house, be like, whoa, demon energy in here. I'd be like, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. So I can just I'm imagine. selling my house to the demons. Yeah. By selling, I mean I'm picking up and moving and making of it. Literally. He told the boys that signs of demonic possession included flickering indoor outdoor lights, thinking oh. a girl was cute, oh, or laughing while on. watching The Simpsons or evil TV shows. Oh, okay. This man is garbage. All right. Well, that sucks big time. And the minute and I don't see- think they're doing anything about it. Like I think kids. Oh no. Like, yeah. And the Catholic Church is probably if it's Catholic. I don't know if it's Catholic, but they'll probably be like la 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 la. <laughs> like yeah. Didn't hear anything. Didn't see anything. That's awful and very upsetting. And the minute we think as Canadians, like we're so much better than Americans. That stuff doesn't happen here. Well. Mm. There you go. Let's go even darker for my current crime update. So a couple was found dead in a Mississauga home on August 16th. So at first they weren't identified. I kind of followed the story a little bit and waited. This couple is Anna. I'm probably going to butcher this last name, but I'm going to try my best. Caraxica, who was 46, and Constantino Figueredo, who was 54. Officers found the bodies inside the couple's Princess Street home around 8 a.m. after a 911 call was made for a well-being check. So apparently both the victims had very clear signs of trauma and their deaths are being treated as suspicious and under investigation by the homicide unit. Okay, thank goodness, first of all, that this one is deemed suspicious because the amount of current crimes we've covered that are suspicious as hell but are not deemed suspicious definitely thank god this one has been flagged as suspicious because it obviously is something's going on yeah in the article i read it said that there was a gofundme page set up to help the couple's son and daughter um that's kind of all the information i had about the kids so where were the kids at during this time i have no idea 
I'm assuming they were staying with someone else and then nobody could get a hold of the couple, so they called for a wellness check is what I'm kind of assuming. More information will will obviously be coming out as time goes on, hopefully, hopefully soon for their friends and family. But if anyone has any information, you can call 1-800-222-8477, the Peel Region Crime Stoppers. So we're really hoping to get some, some answers for Anna and Constantino. It's a really tragic mm -hmm. start to a case. All right, let's get into this week's case. We're starting on October 20th, 2002. And hikers are in a wooded area out near Stave Lake in BC. It's about two hours away from Vancouver. This is when they find a suitcase. Oh no. And inside the suitcase, they find a body. The RCMP is immediately called, they do their thing, the body's autopsied and hopes to identify the person that was found. I don't know what it is with these Canadian murderers and a suitcase. Yeah. Consume way too much true crime. And the amount of times I've had to tell you about a suitcase and a body, it's way, way more. And we've been doing this for 34 mm. weeks. I guess, not to be like super morbid about it, but it's sort of convenient if <laughs> someone can fit. No, but like, if you're thinking, I'm not trying to be weird about it, but if, I mean, it doesn't not make sense, but it just feels like this, like, this is a lot. <laughs> a lot. Meanwhile, the family and friends of a 21-year-old university student named Amanda Zhao have been searching for her since October 9th. Amanda had been reported missing by her boyfriend, Ang Lee. Unfortunately, the autopsy result confirmed Amanda's friends and family's worst nightmare. They had found her, and it appears that something horrible had happened to her. Let me tell you a bit about Amanda. She was born in China in 1981. She was her parents' only daughter and only child. Amanda worked hard to make her parents proud, and her family worked really hard to send her to Canada to do her studies. They didn't have a lot of money, but they clearly wanted the best for her. Amanda really wanted to travel outside of China to study in hopes to attain a higher level of education, and they made her dream come true. They spent their life savings to send her to university. In 2001, she decided to move to Burnaby, BC. She pursued her education studying English at Coquitlam College, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. I can't imagine doing this. I stayed in the same city <laughs> for my university, but I can't imagine moving to a different country yeah and the language barrier and things Culture. are so different culture yeah. yes yeah so this is very very brave and i am mm -hmm. i am almost certain that i would not have been this brave mm -hmm. it's also reported that she might have attended some classes at simon fraser university while she was in bc she met a man named ang lee he was also chinese but they came from two very different worlds his family was much more affluent than amanda's he also arrived in Canada, in BC, in 2001. He was 18 at the time. Ang Lee was studying computer science at Simon Fraser University. It was also located in the Vancouver area. Ang Lee and his cousin Han shared a basement suite apartment in Burnaby. When Ang Lee and Amanda began dating, Amanda eventually moved into that same basement suite in July of 2002. So the three of them living together in the basement suite, all three of them going to university and studying. As I previously mentioned, Amanda went missing on October 9th. Ang Lee reported her missing on October 10th. Ang Lee told investigators that on October 9th, Amanda left the Burnaby basement suite for a short trip to the grocery store that was just six blocks away. 
He only reported her missing the next day because he said he was under the impression that you have to wait 24 hours before reporting someone missing. Which don't you? No, it's a very common oh. misconception. You do not. So I like did a bit of digging into this. So at the moment, at least what I could find from the RCMP side of things is that the moment someone goes missing, you can report them and the investigation will be open until they're found. But they won't do anything oh. about it. Well, they... <sighs> I can't say that every police officer that takes a call will do something about yeah. it. They will probably, I'm assuming, look at the circumstances of when someone was missing and then start to do some things about it or not. I I, I like to think that yeah, they would do something about it. However, if they're an extremely busy police department or detachment and other calls are actively coming in, then maybe a missing person gets put on the back burner. I'm sure that's happened. At the time that she was reported missing, there had been some attacks on some international students, which is awful. Her boyfriend, Ang Lee, told the media and investigators that he had offered her a ride, but she told him to stay home and finish his homework. He later said, It's my fault. It's my fault I didn't accompany her to the safe way. So he's obviously taking on some blame here because there had been reports of attacks on international students. Since we talked about if something was done right away or not, even though it was reported 24 hours later, this will kind of give us some answers here. So in a CBC News article, RCMP Constable Phil Reed would later say that once Ang Lee did phone, there was an internal paper flow problem at the Burnaby detachment. It should have been on my desk and it didn't reach my desk and therefore it didn't go out right away. We were wrong. We messed up there. So basically, Ang Lee waits 24 hours to report her missing, and then the investigation gets delayed. 11 days later, after she was reported, is when her body would be found. So, like, were they not technically notified because, like, they messed up until she was found, basically, and then it kind of, like, was like, oh, oops. No, I think they were aware that she was missing before she was found. However, I'm just pointing out that there was a 24-hour delay after yeah. she went missing. And then there's clear admission. It's a vague admission, so we don't really get a lot of information, which, like, fair. They're trying to <laughs> probably cover up their mistake a little bit, but they're admitting to having made a mistake. So it yeah. didn't get rushed because of a, quote-unquote, paper flow issue. Yeah. But obviously, once Amanda's body was found, the investigation really starts. And Ang Lee quickly became the prime suspect. We've talked about this often. It's always the boyfriend. It's the husband. It's a family member. During a homicide investigation, they tend to look at those closest to the victim first. It also made the most sense when they looked at Amanda's life. You know, she hadn't been in Canada for years and years. She was relatively new. She didn't know a lot of people, I'm assuming. She probably had our close group of friends, but that was really about it. So they interview him several times, try to get some information out of him, you know, even if it's just... The circumstances around how she went missing or what happened that day. On October 23rd, three days after Amanda was found, Ang Lee got on a flight and left for China. So it's, it's not looking <laughs> great for Ang That's Lee. That's not it's, what someone who's innocent does. It's looking a little suspicious for sure. Um, investigators don't like that, obviously. He was yeah. a suspect in a murder investigation. Yeah. Which, and if you're a suspect, can you? You're not allowed to ask me a lot of questions in this oh. case because... Okay, we'll get to it. <laughs> no, oh. it's because it's we will not get to it. Oh. So, basically because he is Chinese, he is a Chinese right, a and a yeah. citizen of China, there are so many rules and stuff that are going to change or that are going to be different. And it's politics and it's... Mm. It, 
is basically my next line in my outline is this left a huge mess that would last years between Canadian and Chinese authorities. Oh no. So Ang Lee gets the hell out of Canada, goes to China. But his cousin Han is is still in BC. He stays. So it's basically the next best thing. He lived with the couple and he's also questioned many times on October 21st, 22nd, and 24th. During those interviews, he claimed that he and Ang Lee had nothing to do with the disappearance of Amanda. He says that they even went looking for Amanda at the Safeway after she went missing. However, they're not seen on any surveillance footage. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's impossible that they could have been there. However, usually the security footages are as you walk in and walk out, so would be weird. Finally, on November 30th, he confesses that he lied. (gasps) He says... (laughs) <laughs> he says that Ang Lee killed Amanda, but Han didn't do the killing. He just helped hide the body. Oh, yeah. No big deal, Han. NBD. So he had no lawyer present, and it was during a very lengthy questioning oh, interrogation style. Yes. He was immediately arrested and was placed in a holding cell. In the holding cell, there was an undercover RCMP officer. Ah, yes, my favorite. <laughs> so while in the holding cell, he becomes buddy-buddy with this undercover officer. And he admits to the officer what he's already admitted. Says, you know, my cousin killed a girl and then he went back to China. He expresses worry about his punishment that he, you know, might be facing. And he said that he was lying for his cousin, trying to kind of, you know, cover it all up. On December 1st, the RCMP took Han to where Amanda's body was found. He showed him how they disposed of her. I hate saying it like that, but that's what he did. And later, he pleaded guilty to accessory after the fact. However, Han has now lawyered up, and his lawyer is fighting because the lawyer feels that Han was taken advantage of by investigators. Basically, they're trying, the lawyer, the team is trying to make all of his previous statements inadmissible. The lawyers are unfortunately successful. No. Charges are dropped. That's, That's disgusting, though. That's the thing. That's like, if I was a lawyer, there's no way I could take cases like that when I know that it's not a false confession you know what I mean like it's not like it's necessary for the justice system like we need to have (sighs) these things in place there needs to be these rules and these roles but oh man did they not ask him if he wanted a lawyer when they first started maybe something like that question I wonder Um, if I could find his his interrogation video maybe I would assume that they have to ask him yeah like I think that's standard but obviously there was a loophole somewhere that the lawyer found that made it so that all of the statements were inadmissible so that might have been it but I I can't imagine that the police officers who do this who do homicide investigations wouldn't have asked like this is 2002 but does that mean that Ang Lee is also since he's part of that confession no Ang Lee's gone Ailey's gone. So we'll talk about the Canadian and Chinese, very briefly, the Canadian and Chinese justice systems and how it works between the two countries if something like this happens at the time of this case. Han gets on a plane and he heads back to China. Not to mention that Amanda's family is watching all this, or I don't even know how they're getting updates. Her parents Ah, from, from China, they're not in Canada. They have like their only child. 
how horrible that must have been for them. In May of 2003, seven months after the murder, the RCMP issues an arrest warrant for Ang Lee for second-degree murder. However, this arrest warrant is not enforceable in China. So he's being charged with second-degree murder by the Canadian government. But, like I said, don't get too excited because there is no extradition treaty between Canada and China. At the time, I don't know if that's changed, I wouldn't think so. This means that China would not send Ang Lee back to Canada to be tried. And Canada was very limited on sharing what they have, like the information or the evidence that they have on their end, because the Chinese government has the death penalty and we do not. Oh, so they're not okay. even telling China. I think at first, yeah, at first yeah. they're they're just like, we don't want to give too much information because... Yeah. Because at first I was like, wait, why would they want to keep a man like that free out and about in the country? You know it what just, I mean? It just, it doesn't mesh. Like it doesn't yeah, yeah. line up and yeah. it's complicated for sure. In February of 2004, Ang Lee had, however, been taken into custody by the Chinese government, but he was eventually released due to lack of evidence. So unclear at this point if the RCMP had shared a bit of information but not all the information or had shared most of the information they had but it still wasn't enough he's released years later years of amanda's family begging both governments for help and nothing is done in 2008 they are officially invited to canada they meet with high level officials in october and they do some background stuff and put some pressure on some things that i'm sure we have no concept of thankfully in 2009 Police in China arrest Ang Lee based on, I believe, new evidence provided by the RCMP. From what I understand, China had agreed to take the death penalty off the table. The new information could have been autopsy evidence, I'm not exactly sure, but basically during the autopsy it was definitely determined that she had been strangled. There was damage to her neck. At the same time, since Ang Lee is getting arrested, so is Han. Yes. Yeah, finally, this family is seeing like a, like a little snowflake of justice. I'm not even going to get into this whole debate of like death penalty or whatever, but like, I feel like I would just give them the information anyways if I was the RCMP. Like, yeah, well, there's I don't know, so, he did it to himself, like, sorry. There's so much stuff that we obviously, the information that we're missing too, because of like, when it was tried in China, yeah. the language barrier and their court system is so different than ours and all this, but right now i guess we can just be thankful that yes i mean he was free for years in between that it's it's not it's definitely not fair shortly after angley was arrested he confessed to the murder however he said that it was an accident he says he accidentally suffocated amanda while they were playing with pillows that's a joke i know how can that be taken seriously playing with pillows also <laughs> it takes so long to suffocate <laughs> someone the amount of times you've said that too, like in our other episodes too, like there's no well, from way. what I've heard. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but like when you think about it, yeah, yeah like because people damn. can pass out and then regain. Like you have to be trying. Yeah. So I've 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 personally never heard of a pillow fight that turned into an accidental murder, but this is what Angley is here claiming to us today. So this obviously doesn't exactly line up with the evidence. It doesn't really make much sense. It also doesn't really take a whole lot of evidence to prove that this is probably not true. <laughs> Angley's family claimed that he was in unimaginable torture at the hands of the Chinese police, and this is why he confessed. And he only left BC. He only left BC after the murder 
because apparently his visa was expiring. Mm. His family insisted that he is innocent, which I, mm. I, I'm not here saying that he's innocent, but so far, like from, from my entire research of the case, and I know it's because we're missing bits and pieces, but I'm just not seeing like a hands down 100%. Do I think he did it? Yes. But I don't think he did I it. Think, I think he did it. Then why are you but, agreeing with the parents? No, I'm just, I'm not agreeing with the parents. I do think that he did it. But like there, I, from my research, I'm not seeing like this DNA evidence, this, that, this, you know. So I'm, I'm just, like I said. I think there's a lot of information which we don't have access to and obviously the rcmp thought he for sure did it and they thought they could win a trial against him because they charged him with second degree murder <laughs> even if it was in canada yeah and then what comes later so yeah let's talk about it so han who was also arrested with ang lee had all of his charges dropped again yeah he's out there he's Why? living his life he helped his cousin dispose of Amanda's body and that's good we don't know okay we don't know he did however like during all this trying to get figured out spend a year or so in prison so I mean okay. take take that for whatever you will unimpressed okay in 2011 <laughs> Ang Lee stood trial in China the trial apparently lasted one day very different than our court system oh my god yeah at the end of the day he was convicted during the trial, there was autopsy evidence that was presented as well as Han's confession. Han had explained how they drove over two hours to dispose of Amanda's body in the suitcase and had talked about while they were driving, you know, planning their alibi story. In September of 2012, Ang Lee was officially sentenced to life in prison. His family appealed the decision and this took over two years. And this is in China, right? Like he's yes. going, okay. In 2014, his sentence is changed by the Supreme Court from life in prison to seven years in prison. It's quite the change. Yep. And Ang Lee was let out of prison in June of 2016. Renee, and you're telling me this story or this case and he's going to come after us? He's in China. It's okay. Well, no, it's not okay. But I, I think, I mean, I never thought about it that way. So this is... <laughs> Amanda's story deserves to be told, and I don't care. This is some BS if you ask me. Well, yes, I'll agree with that. Basically, the original first-degree murder charge has been turned to second-degree murder from what I can understand, and which means that they agree with the fact that Ang Lee might have accidentally killed Amanda during a pillow fight. The decision is obviously very controversial and was apparently ruled without any new evidence. Amanda's family is very upset about this, obviously. Yeah. They, okay. they were ready to give him the death penalty, and now they just... Well, I don't know if they were ever really know, ready to give him the death penalty. Oh, yeah. It went from potential death penalty yeah. to life in prison to seven years, and he's out. I assume at least he can never come back into Canada legally. I would, I would also <laughs> assume that, yeah. I wonder if he came back to Canada, if he could be arrested and tried here as well. You know, all I think when I think of pillow fight is like pictures where it's like what what guys think girls do at sleepovers. Yeah. If someone hit me with a pillow at this grown age, like basically, (laughs) I would be upset. Well, especially like that was her boyfriend, right? Like, imagine. (laughs) Could you imagine Imagine. walking up next to you and be like, ha ha ha, this is so fun. Smack with a pillow. Oh my God. This is a useless conversation because that obviously didn't happen. (laughs) Did not happen. Amanda's family said that the first ruling in 2012 made them feel that the law was fair. 
but this ruling they felt was unacceptable. Amanda's mother said the following. We neither understand nor accept the ruling. The ruling changes our opinion about the fairness of the law. The ruling abundantly represents that the law can be bought with power or money in China. Oh yeah, because you said he his family had money. We have no choice but to question the law. So there's a lot of speculation that Ang Lee's family had a lot of political power. In a Globe and Mail article, Ang Lee's mother basically laughs at the idea of this, at the idea that their family has a lot of power and influence. This is what she had to say. If we were able to do it, my son would have been released a long time ago. She continued by saying that her son told her that he he didn't do it. He didn't murder Amanda and that the two were in a loving relationship. However, Amanda's family obviously feels differently and they feel that this facts speak louder than words. So now Ang Lee and Han are just out there living their free lives and Amanda's family is left without their daughter and without a sense of justice or even like a little speckle of justice that they could have gotten by just angling staying in prison for life so how do you feel i want to say that this is worse than like an unsolved case but i don't want to put obviously that down because that's obviously very horrible mm -hmm. um but it's just like knowing who did it's a it. nasty feeling. Yeah, with like the evidence and everything and ugh, just not being able to do anything about it, like powerless, no justice yeah. for her, your only daughter. You thought we were giving her a better life, having her go to Canada. It's just, it's really awful. It's extremely awful. And obviously Amanda has a, a Chinese name. Amanda is the name she used when she came to Canada. I will not even attempt to try and say it because I'm going to say it wrong. Um, but all of her information and her parents' information and more information about this case, if you're curious, will be linked in the episode description. But I mean, I just, I, I honestly want to say sorry to Amanda for the horrible experience she had mm -hmm. while she was in Canada and how unfair that was for her to want to basically start her adult life and do her studies and achieve a higher level of education. And she should have been safer here and people should have been looking for her a lot faster than they were. So this week we'll be donating to Richmond Chinese Community Society. This is from their website. Established in 1989 as a nonprofit charitable organization promoting the spirit of community services within the city of Richmond connected to Chinese community groups and associations. Participating in various community activities and volunteering events with other Richmond community organizations. So basically the idea behind donating to this organization is we tried to find some sort of community center or community, you know, area that would support Chinese students coming from outside of Canada who are getting here for the first time, who are, I'm sure, looking for community because that is so important. Um, yeah, so I know that it's not exactly in the correct area, but that's what our hope was to support that population in donating this week. So if you'd like to contribute to our CCS, the link to donate will be in our description and Instagram and TikTok bio. As always, pictures for this case will be posted on our Instagram. So please follow us at Terrible True Crime. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review below. If you have any case suggestions, please send us a message on our socials or email us at terribletruecrime at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us. And see you next time.